0: Good evening, and welcome to That's Truth. I'm Nathan Owens, and I'm glad that you've tuned in. I'm joined, as usual, by Pastor Dr. David Murphy. Pastor Murphy, how was your day today?
1: Very pleasant.
0: Glad to hear it. Pastor, before we get to questions from the listeners, I've got a question that I want to ask. I was reading the newspaper headlines mid-morning this morning here in Antigua, and the newspaper stated that a student at Otto's Comprehensive Secondary School was stabbed in a fight Uh, in another newspaper in the States. I read this morning that four police officers in the town where I grew up were shot. My question is, is there any hope for society getting better here on this earth?
1: It concerns me like it concerns most people in the Caribbean, outside the Caribbean, uh, the escalating violence that we're seeing. Um, hope is only found in Christ Uh, please remember that in the first century world uh, when Christianity came on the scene a lot of what we are currently facing uh, we have the rise of neo-paganism and a lot of the things that were destroyed by the Christian faith um, they're now reasserting themselves because we've gotten away from scripture, gotten away from God Uh, but just like the gospel came into an environment of violence uh, promiscuity, immorality, homosexuality—all different forms of, of gross uh, immorality. Uh, the gospel was able to change people's lives. As a result of that, we created one of the greatest um, societies, Western the world the world has ever known, the Western society. Now we've gone away from scripture, gone away from God. Our homes are deteriorating. Uh, our schools have got massive problems. You've got the drug culture. And we have a, a generation that is indisciplined, uh, who has a very low uh, temperament, uh, temperament. As a result, we've got this escalating virus. But the answer is bringing Christ back into the home, bringing him back into the school, bringing him back into society, and let his transforming work do a work uh, that changes people and completely revolution their, their lives.
0: One of the questions that came in last week but we didn't have time for was a WhatsApp question from Antigua. Pastor, what does the Bible say about Saturday worshippers and do I have to keep the Sabbath in order to go to heaven?
1: There's no way in Scripture that salvation is ever linked to a particular day of worship. And there's no reference in the Old Testament or the New Testament that indicates that it is mandatory that a person keep a particular day in order to be saved. Uh, what the day of worship basically hinges on several factors. Um, one has to do with one's interpretation of the Scripture, and especially one's understanding of the Old Covenant and New Covenant. It also hinges on the historical precedent uh, that was set by the, the early church, and uh, the, the worship of the early church. And also, it has a lot to do with your personal conscience. The Apostle Paul, uh, in Colossians, gives Christian liberty in respect to days. And he said, Let every man be fully persuaded in his mind, so there's no one particular day, day of worship that is mandatory in Scripture. As I said, a lot has to do with the interpretation of the Bible, especially in relation to the Old Covenant and New Covenant. This is a t- subject I would like us to come back to uh, and do a more exhaustive uh, study on it, uh, because I know it's a matter of great concern. Uh, when I was a lad, I was told that uh, Sunday worshipers were going to receive the Mark of the Beast. And then later on, when I was pastoring in St. Lucia, uh, the SDA uh, which has about 45 assemblies there in that country uh, what they started doing is not only worshipping on Saturday but they worship on Sunday as well so I'm wondering if the mark of the uh is to be given to f- Sunday worshippers how then the same uh, movement that uh, advocates that uh, themselves are now worshipping on Sunday So, but this needs greater clarity and uh, because I think a lot of people are confused about it But I do believe there's a biblical answer for it. And I would like us to pick this subject up at another time and maybe spend a whole program on it, discussing the Sabbath as it relates uh, to the New Testament covenant.
0: Let's cover it next Tuesday.
1: Uh, I have no problem with that, sir.
0: All right. So next Tuesday, we'll be covering the topic of the Sabbath.
1: (laughs) All right. And
0: another question that came in from Antigua via WhatsApp, and this is from a pastor. Let me say thank you for the individual who sent this in. This is the pastor speaking. Something that has been said to me often is that Christians are so hard on homosexuals, but not on the wrong that the government is doing toward poor people. I just want to get someone's thoughts on it.
1: Well, we've got to uh, understand that um, I think the church has every right to be hard on the issue of homosexuality. This is one of the central issues that uh, we're faced with today. And I believe the church has to fight back because it is setting a precedent that has serious repercussions for the church in the future in terms of its capacity to preach publicly uh, in the in the matter of where I can see a lot of judicial cases being brought against pastors because of emotional damage that is done uh, if this is preached openly. Um, it affects the home, it affects marriage. I do think the Christian church has a right to uh, clearly um, condemn this aberrant lifestyle. But to get to your second question, um, why not the wrong of the government? The church has always been the vanguard of, of social justice, and it has always shown its concern for the poor and for orphans and for the, um, those who have lack opportunity. Uh, and I do feel that there are t- times when the church should speak out in relation to if a government is instituting a policy that is going to be hurtful to uh, the less privileged. But one of the problems that churches sometimes have is aligning itself with a political party. And I think that is one of the detriments in terms of the church being able to speak authentically and with credibility because the alignment with any political party or any in, in government does a disservice to the Christian cause. And because of the compromise of the church... Um, inadvertently it has muzzled itself so that even when it does speak no one listens any longer because uh, of its alignment with a, a particular political party let us render to Caesar what is Caesar to God what is God let's keep the church separate and let us be a voice to speak for those uh, who don't have a voice and let us not align our postures uh, or, or postures with any political party let us be objective and speak authentically and use the, scru- the truth of scripture Uh, to to deal with issues that we're currently faced with.
0: The name of the program is That's Truth. You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse.
1: Yeah, I I did want to inject uh, another thought in connection with this matter about church and government. We must not see the government as the instrument of change. The only change element within the, the Christian church is the preaching of the gospel. winning men and women to Christ and uh, we must see that that's the change agent. It has always been. Uh, that's how the, the, we got revival. That's how we got uh, the Protestant Revolution, uh, Reformation. And if we're going to get this society transform and and change, it can only be done through the systematic preaching of the gospel.
0: But shouldn't we be? involved in those social things first so that we can so that people can see that we have a pure heart and that we want to help and then they'll come to the church. Well what?
1: I don't think it's an either or. Um, I do think that the church needs to get involved in meeting some of the social needs of the country uh, and uh, this is where you we ourselves are trying to um, start a, a drug addiction ministry where we trying to, we're gonna to try to reach the Antiguan young men who are, are addicts, and we want to offer gratis service. We think that's all part of our social conscience as a church and trying to meet the needs. But what I'm concerned about is uh, getting back to what is primary and what is secondary. The social programs are a means to an end, but the real end is the gospel. Uh, so uh, we just we need to do both, but our central means of change is the gospel.
0: Thanks for joining us here on That's Truth. Pastor, the topic for this evening is cohabitation. Can you start by defining cohabitation? Because I honestly can say that's not a word I regularly use in my everyday discussions. Yeah.
1: I think cohabitation is a euphemism for what Caribbean people call shacking up. Okay. Uh, living in a home or living in a house in a relationship in, uh, where you're not married, but you're enjoying all the privilege and right of marriage life, especially in the area of sexual activity. So that's what we mean by cohabitation, two people who are not married, uh, living as husband and wife, even though uh, they're not married legally. That's what we mean by cohabitation.
0: Why is it so common?
1: Uh, I would say that, um, I mean, I I am in my 60s, and when I was being brought up as a lad, even in the Caribbean, there was a stigma attached to a lot of immoral practices that that stigma has gone uh, I, I think that part of the, the, the problem again, and we must understand that in moving away from the Bible, it has consequences. Um, the Bible it doesn't play as prominent a role in the, in the schools. Uh, when I was in school, I would have morning devotions. Uh, I was there were courses in religious education uh, during the break. I was given the right to hold a Bible club within the school itself. Uh, so a lot of change, and I think that a lot of the, the what we're seeing today, the complete moral breakdown, the decadence that we're seeing today, uh, there is no one particular cause, but the main central reason for it is when people go away from God, you get involved in immoral activity. It's interesting that when you look in the book of Romans, uh, Paul says the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. The sequence there, the order of those two words is not by accident. We become unrighteous as we become ungodly. So society becomes more ungodly. You can expect that unrighteousness will begin to envelop society. Uh, And that is why Paul talks about it in that order. If we want to restore righteousness and morality in the country, you've got to bring the people back to God. Without that, we can never, ever uh, bring back society to what we desire it to be or what it used to be uh, this is where the, the God factor is central to transforming any society, including our society.
0: For the person listening who says, you know, I appreciate that you use the Bible as your source of truth, but that's not necessarily my source of making all the decisions in my life. What, can you explain why cohabitation is bad from a social standpoint and why it's not just bad from a, we're leaving our traditional views?
1: There's so many reasons you could give Um as to why cohabitation is wrong. It's a known fact that people who cohabit, um, 70% of those who cohabit now will not marry the partner they're they're currently living with. Uh, If they do marry the person that they're living with, there is a 75% chance that their marriage is not going to work. So statistically, uh, if you're looking at a prospect of a a long marriage, a permanent marriage, uh, clearly cohabitation is not the way to go. The other factor, of course, is that um, children are involved in this whole process. Uh, most people who cohabit, uh, because of the sexual activity, there will be some kind of an offspring. A child is born. Now, if a child is born within the context of a cohabitation, and seventy-five percent of those who mar- who eventually marry don't marry the person that the child is uh, the, the child is from, it creates a real serious problem for the child living with a stepfather. Uh, Stepfathers are notorious for abusing kids. And if you are concerned about the welfare of your child, the best thing that you can ever do is to create a, a situation where you are the mom and the true father is the one that brings up this child in the fear of God. But when you bring a person who is not the actual biological father of the child, it creates tremendous problems for that. As a matter of fact, uh, you only have to be the principal of a school or to be involved in young people's lives. And when you hear the, the horrible, horrendous stories of uh, children who are living in situations where they're not there with their natural father and their natural mother, uh, it's a, a story that will break your heart. And I think that uh, we're either living in a dream world, we're oblivious to what is happening, we're either burying our heads in the sand, but we are putting our children uh, at a great disadvantage when we uh, go into a cohabitating uh, position, the other thing is, is abuse. Um, those women who are engaged in cohabitation for some mysterious reason, uh, normally the man almost think that he owns the woman, and in many, many cases, uh, if you look at the statistics and the reports and the investigations that have been done, the level of abuse is at a uh, far greater level than if a person had gotten married. Uh, so for the sake of your own well-being uh, as, as, a, as a person, one has to be uh, careful that this, you don't fall into this trap. So I think it's a disadvantage for, for women. I think it's a disadvantage for the children. And then if you don't have stable homes, how are you going to have a stable society? Because the home is the foundation of a stable society. So from every dimension, uh, a a nation uh, can never produce uh, a level of discipline that is required if there is this mockery of morality in the lifestyle of the parents.
0: I came across this quote, and I'm going to read the quote, and then I'd like to get your thoughts on it. This is from the actress Angelina Jolie, Uh and she's speaking about her growing up years. She says, One of my boyfriends lived with me at my mom's house when I was just 14. It was the smartest thing my mother could have done because this way we weren't hanging out in a park together. She said, We lived like a married couple for two years. By the time I was 16, I wanted my freedom and wanted to focus on work.
1: I don't know why we listen to actresses and movie stars. Um, I... It almost humors me to, to think that um, a statement like that could ever cease the engage the minds of young people. But because we are in a celebrity cult, uh, a kind of a, uh, you know, personalities and stuff like that is what is influencing the lives of people, uh, I suppose that these people have a forum and they use that forum to speak and young people are distracted and buy into this kind of nonsense that, uh, coming from these TV a- actors. But that is total, complete folly. Uh, have you followed up with her to see how many marriages she's had? Many, right? What 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 st- stable lifestyle does she have for her kids? Look, when you go against what God has established as His will, there are serious consequences. Uh, so I don't. Uh, I mean, I I don't. That kind of of um, propaganda, basic moral propaganda that she is advocating, uh, really is a propaganda of a person who has no Bible base, who has no commitment to Scripture, who no has no commitment to God. This is a humanist atheist, and I would, I would not doubt that she's probably believing the evolutionary theory that there's, there's no creator, uh, that life is about chance and uh, random, uh, I, but she has no moral base, and it's unfortunate that a person like that can use her platform to advocate such a lifestyle. But her mom did a tremendous wrong in doing that. And uh, I don't think any sensible Caribbean person listening to that kind of a statement would give any credence to it at all.
0: You're listening to That's Truth? Pastor Murphy, uh, I've got a question from a listener in Antigua. All right, I find myself in a cohabitation situation. We have children. If I split right now it'll hurt the children he doesn't want to get married what should i do
1: well i don't know if you're a christian or not but if you're a christian you have to come out of that situation it's either that uh you you offer marriage and he if he doesn't want it but you cannot stay in that situation if you are a believer the bible is very very clear i i cannot understand how people read the Scripture and somehow stifle their conscience in regards to what is the clear mandates of Scripture. The Bible says, he that is born of God does not habitually practice sin. The Bible says that fornicators, adulterers, uh, homosexuals, extortioners, they that practice these things will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, that is not Pastor Murphy inventing Scripture that is Pastor Murphy quoting Scripture. So I would say to a person, If number one, if you're a Christian, you have to get yourself out of that situation. Uh, if you are not a believer, um, I still would advise you to, to work towards moving out of that. If there's no prospect of marriage, you are wasting your time, uh, you are degrading yourself, you are demeaning your worth, and you are losing prospects of a husband, if you stay in that situation for the next five or six years I don't know how old you are but certainly anyone who might have thought of giving up, batting in your direction or might have interest in yourself um, Madam, I don't want to seem harsh, but you don't want to be a used vessel uh, and the partner that you will eventually marry deserves far better than you will offer at this point in time and I think that is in the interest of your welfare. I understand the situation with the, ch- with the children. I don't even know that if he's using that as a leverage to keep you in the situation. But if a guy really cares for you, he really loves you, uh, the byproduct of your union has brought children into the relationship, uh, why would he not want to marry you? I can only come to one conclusion, that he's lost respect for you and that uh, he has no real interest. He probably has his eye on somebody else. Uh, it's going to be to your detriment. So the sooner you can put yourself in a position that you can move out of that situation. By the way, could I just make another statement? This is where I wish that churches that talk so vociferously on these matters as I'm talking, that we had places to help a person coming out of that situation until they can get a footing so they can bring about change. Because it's very difficult. I understand the difficulty right here. But my advice to you, madam, is that it's not worth staying in that relationship. Work towards moving out of that relationship. It's not only good for you, by the way. It's good for your children in the long term. Because if he's not going to marry you, uh, what happens to the kids in the future? The, 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 The relationship is going to end. It is going to end. You know that it's going to end at some point in time. And if you do not end up marrying him and there's another child and another child... And then you have to go into a, a marital relationship with three or four or five kids. How is that going to work? Uh, so I think you need to take measures as soon as possible. Um, if you love the guy, and as I said, if, if you're uh, not a believer, um, discuss the matter, be very open. But let it be known that you cannot continue in this state, in this, this, in this uh, relationship and that if you want to offer uh, marriage, um, that would be a choice. But if you have come to the conviction that he has no real interest in pursuing marriage, I would suggest to you that the sooner you can change that situation, that environment, the better it is for you, and the healthier it is for you, and the better it is for your children.
0: I don't know if you've ever heard this argument, Pastor, or this question, but I have in discussions. Uh, We're both Christians— we're living together until we get married in order to save finances, but we're not having sexual relations. We're just sharing a dwelling place in order to save money. What would be your advice?
1: I am not too sure if that can exist in the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> that may uh, exist in a, a, another um, utopian world, but generally, people generally when people are living in the same house, uh, it would take. Incredible credulity to believe that nothing is going on within the relationship but let let 's suppose nothing is going on and they 're just for the sake of um, savings they 've decided to rent a common property and share it uh, uh, and they 're saying well you know we 're not sexually involved we 're not intimately involved uh, we 're just looking in terms of, of savings. well, what about your testimony? What about your testimony? What about your witness? Which person in Antigua or in any part of the Caribbean that will see two individuals uh going to the same property every day, sleeping in the same property uh going out on weekends uh and to be told by those two people, ah, we're just living in the same house, but there's no activity going on. I think that is a delusional world, and seriously. I think such thinking, I I don't know if it would be entertaining in the Caribbean, but clearly uh, that kind of a lifestyle is wrong. The Bible says, let not your good be evil spoken of. The Bible says, shun the very appearance of evil. That looks to me as a sexual relationship, and therefore you have no testimony. If if such a couple had belonged to our church, um, number one, they could not be a member of our church we would dismember them because it's a reproach to the church. Uh, Number two, if that person was involved in any kind of spiritual activity, they would be removed from those offices and those responsibilities withdrawn from them because your testimony is absolutely essential as a believer. Look, when you lose your testimony... Uh, you could build up a testimony for years and you lose it in one day and it takes another 20 or 30 years to, to to regain that testimony you don't want to you don't want to be a bad witness for Christ you want to be whatever you do in life you want to influence people in the direction of trusting Christ and such a situation clearly uh, is not conducive to being a good witness and a good testimony and I would hold such a person is uh, sus- I'd be very suspicious of the real authentic faith of a person who is so naive or so stupid as to think that they could live in such a way uh, and not bring a reproach to Christ and it wouldn't have repercussions for them.
0: We have a follow-up question coming from Antigua, going back to the one where the lady was saying, I'm in a situation, I have children, I don't want to split the situation or the relationship because I don't want to hurt the children, but he doesn't want to marry, what should I do? This man has a follow-up question, and thank you very much for sending it in. What about women who are stuck in these relationships because they cannot provide for themselves and their children?
1: This is clearly one of the greatest dilemmas we have in the Caribbean. I I am very sympathetic. I understand many times that ladies go into relationships. uh, Sometimes it's a very difficult home life, and... um, Don Juan comes around and offers to solve all the problems, meet the uh, financial needs, but it's always with an alternative motive. Um, Men are turbocharged sexually, and they exploit uh, women who are in vulnerable financial situations. Uh, Someone told me years ago, and you probably heard it, that uh, men pretend love to get sex and women gave in sex to find love. I think that sums up the situation as we find it. Um, this is where, as I said, I know to sit here and pontificate and tell somebody that they should leave in a situation like that seems very harsh in light like of the fact that there's no alternative. And I lament that there's no alternative. I, I, I grieve over the fact that churches can make the statements that I'm making, and then when somebody asks, How do you help to solve the problem? This is where we need to get more compassionate and create situations where somebody can be helped out of that situation temporarily until they get their foot uh, settled and and can move on from there. But at the same time, I do believe that if a person out of genuine, authentic faith, uh, trusting God and and, uh, putting themselves in God's care and said, God, this is what you say, this is what. I believe you're saying to me, this is what I want to do. Uh, I want you to change this situation, and I am going to take a, a drastic step. That I am going to—Faith involves risk. It really involves risk. And, uh, but I think I cannot condone uh, the continuance in living in a, a, a non-scriptural uh, w- relationship, and I can never advocate anybody to stay within a situation that is clearly— in moral that God condemns, and I do believe that um, decisions have to be made. Sometimes I wish that family would understand and, and try to, to help a person in that situation. Sometimes I believe, I, I wish that Christians, uh, rather than just condemn, would open the door to help people in those situations. Listen, we are living in a very difficult moral uh, crisis. We don't—I don't have all the answers, but I do know this. Uh, living in an ungodly way should never be approved by the church. It, it is wrong. Um, there are one or two places I know that may be able to help in that situation. Uh, as I said, and I think listeners would hear about this sometime in the future. Uh, we are really trying to start a ministry that, because we feel that we have an obligation and a responsibility to help. Uh, people who are involved in situations that you have, uh, that you're talking about here as well. And we are hoping to build a ladies' dormitory and a a men's dormitory. Um, The government of Antigua has been very, very gracious to us and has leased to us five acres of land and we are now in the process of Working on all the logistics of how to get these these things done. We're going to have a website, etc., etc. We'll tell you more about this. But uh, w- the reason I'm saying that is that we recognize that we have a, we have to try to, to help the situation, and we're going to try to do our part. I think other churches uh, need to uh, to do similar things and and get really involved in people's lives. Now, this is why I admire the American churches. They would condemn abortion, but while condemning abortion, they create. Uh, an alternative to abortion. We in the Caribbean, on the other hand, we condemn everything. But we never seem to come up with solutions. And that is part of the the, the failure of the church. And I hope that over time that we can address that. And I I don't know what person you're talking about, sir. I don't know if it's a real-life situation. But my conscience will not allow me to endorse uh, a person living in that kind of a situation. And um, I would... Ask her to turn to family members and, and some friends, but does she really want to come out of that situation? Is she prepared to to to, uh, to make whatever sacrifices required to do the right thing? God will not be a debtor to any person. If we act in faith and trust Him, genuinely, authentically trust Him, He has the way and the means to help us to come out of the mess that we found ourselves in. He's done it for countless people, and I believe that if this person that you're referring to is is genuine and uh, they're a believer, I believe that God can do the same uh, to help this person as well.
0: You're listening to That's Truth. The voice that you just heard is that of Dr. David Murphy, the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Upper Gambles, Antigua.
1: Uh, Brother Nathan, let me uh, interject another matter here that a lot of people don't factor into this whole matter of cohabitation. It's virtually impossible for two people to live as husband and wife, enjoying uh, all the privileges of sex within that relationship without there being a sexual bonding between two people. Uh, The Bible is is, is fairly clear on the matter that there is something uh, uniquely a unique feature about fornication in relation to the body. Uh, it says all sins are without the body, but fornication is against the body. And I think because there are some changes, biological changes that take place within the body, uh, your hormones, changes, etc., that once you set those things in motion, um, it it creates uh, craving and desires that though they were latent before, and now you have experienced them, they will now become a problem for you after you've had this encounter the other thing that i I think that is really is need to be given thought part of the breakdown of marriage is because people have engaged in so much sexual activity um they don't they're no longer a one woman type of person and it's like uh f- for uh, to use an analogy it's like You know, you're not accustomed, you don't want chicken, you you want pork, you want beef. I think that it it creates an unfair comparison uh, within the marital context. Here's a a person who is married to a particular person, and he's only known this one individual, but he married somebody who has had sex with 5, 10, 15 different people. And now, uh, even in the the activity going on in the privacy of the home after marriage, uh, in the mind... Uh, it creates an unfair comparison, and and, and many many times you, you hear the complaint about performance. You hear all these different types of issues. These are not issues that we should be wrestling with in our minds, because the the, the problem with intimacy, the the, the biggest, uh, not trying to be discreet, but the 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 most important sex organ is the is the mind, and once that becomes polluted, and create unfair comparisons, even within the marital relationship it leads to dissatisfaction, and many, many times, if the truth be known, uh, the basic cause of disintegration in, in sexual relations within, within within the marriage is because of these unfair comparisons that people are not talking about, and eventually it leads to the demise of the marriage. So I think it's very, very unfair, and uh, I think people need to look at that. It, it just, um, it's the detriment of marriage and the breakdown of the home and the family.
0: For the listener, that finds themselves in a cohabitation or a shacking up relationship and says everything is happy right now everything is going smoothly i'm worried that if we take the relationship to the marriage level that it's going to be too much commitment it's going to be too much responsibility and it's going to mess up something that is good
1: again it comes back to the basic question I ask all the time is this a Christian thinking or this is an unsafe uh, person Uh, a Christian should not think that way Uh, marriage is God's standard and all sexual activity outside of marriage is condemned in scripture so uh, any kind of activity uh, sexual activity, uh, whether it be and uh, sometimes we condemn homosexuality, we condemn lesbianism, we condemn all these different but again we condemn homo, uh, we condemn uh, fornication, we condemn adultery, so that should never be the thinking of a person no no Christian, no Christian, nobody that names the name of Christ and is truly authentically genuinely saved should be living in an ongoing immoral relationship I don't care who that person is. You are living in sin. That is wrong. And I have a serious problem as a pastor believing that you are genuinely, authentically saved. Again, I go back to Scripture. He that is born of God cannot continuously practice sin because the seed, the nature of God is in that person, that the Holy Spirit is in that person. So if you can live comfortable in sin, my serious recommendation to you is what Paul told Timothy, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Because morality and spirituality go together. One leads to the other. And if you can live in, in, in an immoral situation and it doesn't bother you, your conscience doesn't bother you, God doesn't chasten you, madam, if I were in your situation, I would seriously take a close forensic examination myself. Because the, the problem with you may vary and be that you are a professor but you don't really possess uh, Christ as Savior. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Your life must have changed if your life has not changed. I am saying to you with with all the honesty I can tell you that if your life has not changed after you've made a profession of faith in Christ, you are simply not a born-again believer.
0: Alright, we have Pastor on the phone line, a caller from St. Kitts, who has a thought Go ahead, caller, thank you for calling
2: Thank you very much In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us today I am um, experienced something which hurt me very, very much. Christianity. I picked it up from the Middle East, Asia Minor, came through Europe, through the, across the, across the Mediterranean, down to the Caribbean. We, the Caribbean people, we accept Christianity. We under, we also understand that we have two divisions in the world today east and west the western portion we look at something known as democracy the east look at something else ever since I say, I always say to myself that if democracy gets out of hand it could be worse than communism what I'm seeing today here is that the. Big countries in the Western world are doing something that is not correct according to biblical principles.
0: Let me let me interrupt you just for a minute. Real quickly in one or two sentences.
2: What's your point? They should not be encouraging same sex marriage. Oh. They should not be encouraging same sex marriage as being a Christianized um, Society, my reason. Yeah,
1: now we we agree with you wholeheartedly. As a matter of fact, I think this is an imposition. To be very honest, of the depraved Western societies, and especially in Europe, Europe has gone away from God. As you know, uh, very few people in Europe go to the church. It, it's it's really tragic that the the way the Reformation started, and uh, which were a very vibrant christian nations before now they've gone away from faith gone away from god and they have an agenda a social agenda and they're trying to impose that social agenda on the other western countries the, the thing about europe though is that because they have the, the the resources they've got the wealth they use it as a, a stick as it were in a carrot and as though they want to beat us into submission uh, if we don't follow their social policy for this globalization of homosexuality and this um this Law morality. Uh, they tried to withdraw aid, uh, and then uh, you know. But we got to understand. But I'm not too sure. But one of our biggest problems we're going to have in the future is whether our Caribbean politicians have got any moral courage to stand up to these type of people. I remember when um, the the Attorney General here in Antigua. I remember reading an article when this whole debate about homosexuality was beginning to uh, become a, a market place discussion. I remember reading his article, and he's saying, not in Antigua, and this is not going to happen in Antigua. I thought he was the bravest attorney general in the entire Caribbean, and I wanted to write an article on that, because uh, in other countries, if he had made a statement like that, he might have lost his job. It is that bad. These people have got power in different spheres of influence, and if you go against their social policy to bring pressure, so I thought the Attorney General of Antigua was a very brave man to come out so boldly, to state explicitly. We're not going to tolerate this in Antigua. And basically what he was saying uh, had to do with the, the recognition of uh, homosexuality and almost try to impose it on the people of the same-sex marriage. Now, I don't know if he will sustain that position as pressure is brought against the country. This is a country that depends a lot on tourism. Uh, it is very possible the, third, the, the, the first world countries will blackmail these third world countries, threaten to uh, um, to use the media, to give the idea that they're homophobic and, uh, you know, once, once money becomes the main purpose uh, for government and government needs revenue, no question about that, uh, if that becomes the primary goal and the primary aim, they will succumb to the pressure from overseas, which I don't. I sincerely hope that our governments in the Caribbean take a firm stand on this matter. Listen, the most unhealthy lifestyle in the world it's a homosexual lifestyle. About 50% of those, are, what, 50, 80% of homosexuals don't live beyond 50. If the Caribbean people were to give a, a, a have a real discussion on this matter about the health hazards of the homosexual lifestyle and people were to know what activities are going on and what diseases they're exposing the public to, there would be a rebellion in the Caribbean in regards to this whole... The, I'm, I'm convinced about that. Uh, And I think a lot of it is hidden, and I think it's going to be hurtful. But I agree with you.
0: Thank you very much for that call from St. Kitts. I appreciate it. And keep your radio dial tuned to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. All right, Pastor, we have a question that has come in from Villa here in Antigua. Is there a set amount of time that people should date before getting married? Can someone date for too long?
1: I think they can date for too short. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <That's> my, <laughs> I think that is more the danger, uh, dating for too short, because I think, um, look, looking at the the social landscape of the Caribbean, looking at the deterioration of marriages, uh, when I was brought up, I hardly knew of anybody who was divorced. I Sincerely, I don't know if I knew of anybody who was divorced as a young man. Uh, in my small church, where I'm from, in, in the island of Barbados, uh, in that small church of less than 60, I could now come to maybe four people who have gone through the d- divorce process. So society has changed. Um, uh, marriage now has an expiry date, and it's ending much shorter than people intend. Part of the reason for that is twofold. You, you, you hit on one very clearly, uh, the purpose of dating. The purpose of dating is not to wrap around a pole like a snake. It's not to get involved in sexual activity. That's not the purpose of dating. The purpose of dating is to assess the person that you're you're interested in, to find out their values, uh, find out their principles, uh, see it to establish if there's any compatibility in terms of your future career, the direction you're going in life, um, uh, whether or not the person is a believer or an unbeliever. Uh, um, In other words, you're trying to get to know the person. Could I say this? The moment sex gets into a relationship, the relationship is over it becomes now imbalanced. Everything is now focused on the sexual act. And so communication breaks down, relationship breaks down, and the information flow dries up because it becomes a sexual activity. So I do feel that uh, it is possible to date too little. And by the way, I may add this, when you are dating, you need to go home to that person's family. You have to see the home environment in which that person uh, is coming from. Uh, You might be totally surprised uh, after you get married, if you have not been to the home, to see how they relate to her, how she relates to her siblings, how she relates to her mom, her dad, uh, is she, uh, how the home is kept. Uh, make observations, ask questions, talk to parents, talk to children, talk to people around the neighborhood, whether it be a male or female. You need as much information as possible about the person that you're, you're, you're going to get uh, serious about and p- perhaps marry. But the other hand, it can be too long as well. It can be so prolonged that, what happens by the way the, the, the longer you stay in a a dating relationship 2 or 3 years you're not growing apart as you get to see each other you're moving closer and closer and closer and closer and closer and if you're not careful uh all the standards and and, and uh benchmarks that you've put to control how far uh you guys can go it is being systematically broken down as you date longer and longer and longer. So you need to date uh, long enough to get to know the person, to know the person's family, uh, to speak to the, the uh, go to their home, observe what's going on, enough to get to, to know her so that she can take off her mask that she normally wears during the, during the dating process. That like you wear mask as well, uh, as you begin to take this mask off and begin to see the person that that person really is. Uh, but until you have done that. Um, I think you are playing Russian roulette with your life uh, in terms of your marriage, and I do think that it's wise to spend some time dating, etc. But I can agree with you that a prolonged period of dating, uh, it's going to probably lead you into immoral activity. Or, on the other hand, it c- could lo- also lead to waning interests. Uh, so I think that has to be worked out. But to my mind... Uh, the problem is not so much dating too long in the Caribbean. The problem is dating too little and rushing into a marriage, and then the marriage not not lasting.
0: I hope that answers your question from the caller in Villa. have a caller who called from Nevis, wasn't able to stay on the line, but I have a question for Pastor Murphy. They would like you to explain Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4.
1: Uh, Hebrews 13 and verse 4 says, Marriage is honorable in all and the bed on defile but homongers and adulterers God will judge. I think this is pretty explicit. Uh, it is showing clearly the the uh, the honorable position in which God views marriage, that marriage as far as God is concerned is something sacrosanct. It is something sacred. It is something that he has designed, something that he honors, he respects, and he expects people to live within the ambits of of, of marriage. He doesn't want sexual expression to go outside the pale of marriage. And that's why he said uh, marriage is honorable in all things and the bed undefiled. In other words, sexual activity in the context of marriage is something that God has designed and something that God honors and something that God intended to be part of the, the marital covenant. But he warns uh, uh, in the same verse, but whoremongers and adulterers, And the word there, homongous, is referring to the Greek word pornia, which has to do with sexual immorality. And adultery, of course, is sexual immorality among people who are married. So he's actually condemning immorality. Any kind of sex outside of marriage is wrong. I repeat that. Any kind of sex outside of marriage is biblically wrong. God condemns it. And he warns here that uh, those that practice in morality, those that engage in uh, uh, adultery, he said God will judge. So uh, it is endorsing the sacredness of marriage and the sacrosanct of marriage uh, and and the sexual act, act within the marriage, but it's condemning sex outside, outside of marriage, whether that person be a homonger, uh, an immoral person that is not married but living in the morality, or that person is... Um, is is sleeping with somebody's wife or somebody's husband. So that is what that book was talking about, Pastor's talking about.
0: All right, and that music means that the program is wrapping up. Remember to tune in next week. We'll be talking about the Sabbath and what the Bible has to say about the Sabbath and worshiping on the Sabbath, the importance of that or the lack thereof. Again, you're listening to that's truth with Pastor Dr. David Murphy, thank you for joining us for this week.